Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. God said, I called you higher. I called you to do something higher with your life. And it, it ain't just about you because there's some people along the way that you're going to have to get to. It's some people along the way that need the information that you have and they need to be lifted higher too, but I need you to go get silent about it. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down live in Atlanta with Brandi Harvey. She's the wellness expert and author of the best-selling book, Breakthrough Sold Separately. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back for part two of Redefining Wealth live from Atlanta. This is the follow-up to the conversation we had last week with Marshawn Evans-Daniels. I know you enjoyed that. I hope you felt the energy from being in the live podcast taping. I'm telling you, when we announce another city, I hope you will do what you have to do to be in the building. Marshawn kicked it off and then Brandy brought it on home. Such an incredible time. So I really want to jump into this episode. I have to say hello, though, to those of you who are new to Redefining Wealth. Here's what you need to know about us. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We truly believe that it's about well-being. And for that reason, the conversation that you are going to hear today is about getting to the root of some of the things that really may be keeping you from the money that you desire. You don't even know that there's a connection. That's what we do here each and every week. We take you through six pillars, not every week, each week we focus on a pillar. Uh, if you want to get to know what those pillars are, I suggest you go to patricewashington.com, click on start here, and you'll receive a free audio training that will break that down for you and help you figure out where you need to start. But this was such an incredible time. I'm still so grateful for Brandy, my girl, who's my friend in real life, uh, showing up. If you were in the building, then you know that the admiration and love and respect that we have for one another is so real. Uh, you could just feel it. I still feel it just looking at the pictures and I'm just so proud of what she's been able to do. So it's actually a really juicy episode. 
I'm not going to hold you. I'm just going to jump in and tell you more about Brandy. I am so excited to bring out my girl Brandy Harvey um, because Brandy was one of my first friends in Atlanta. Brandy was my friend when I was sleeping on my brother's couch. And she didn't judge. And we have been accountability partners over the years, and we have shared goals, and we have encouraged each other, and we have cried on uh, couches and floors and had come to Jesus talks with one another. We done fell out at Starbucks, became friends two hours later again. She is my friend friend, so much so that her mom calls me triplet, because you know Brandy's a twin. I'm triplet. That's a blessing. So, so excited to share my girl Brandy Harvey with you. So I'm going to read her official bio and we'll jump in. Brandy Harvey is the founder of Beyond Her, an active wellness brand for women of color, a former high school teacher, personal trainer, NPC fitness competitor, and nonprofit executive director. Brandy is a true Renaissance woman. As the author of the new Amazon number one bestseller <laughs> in personal transformation. Breakthroughs sold separately, get out of the boat of mediocrity and walk on water. Brandy has taught thousands of women around the world to become more confident as they step into the arena of their lives. Without further ado, my friend in real life, Brandy Harvey. So we've been trying to avoid each other in this small room back there because every time we look at each other, girl, they did that to me too. It's okay. I know what to do though. So it's all good. Yeah. We keep avoiding each other because literally the tears keep welling up in our eyes. And I think it's only because we know from whence we've come from. Like, I know you girl. Like, I know you when we was road tripping down with Gerald to Fort Valley and we were sitting in IHOPs and Carly was asking, do you have any raw sugar, sugar in the raw? <laughs> and we're like, we're, Carly, we're at an IHOP, IHOP in Fort Valley, Georgia. Fort Girl, if you don't Valley. knock it off. Yeah, Georgia. <laughs> and just, I mean, so many things, so many years, you know? So... This is real love. This real, real, real love. This is some sisterhood love right here. I just want y'all to know. <laughs> Are you proud of how far I've come in my fit pillar? Listen, I, when I see Patrice, I told her backstage that she, you know, she kind of got a donk back there, you know. I, was like, <laughs> I said, you've been doing your squats. Girl, look at you. She turned around. I was like, ow. Hey. Look at you. You was all fitting fine. I see you. Because Brandy used to try to force me to work out. Oh, we've, we've had many a workout, though. We've had many a workout, but none like when I blacked out on the treadmill. Fell, fell out on the <laughs> treadmill. I was like, oh, my God. Somebody get hurt. 
I don't know what to do. I'm not that. I'm not that trainer. Trainer. <laughs> I'm your friend. Trainer. <laughs> Two. Writing my first book and then going, Brandy, you really need to write a book. Yeah. And she'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, friend. <laughs> and then I did another book and I'm like, Brandy, you know you have a story. You really need to write a book. And so now... And then your third book. Then my third book, but I wasn't even going to say that. And I'm just like, girl, I just need a little engine that could. Just right? <laughs> you know what? But what I love is that for her, writing her book was not even about competition or comparison. She had to go through her own journey. Absolutely. And she had to go through her, whole, her own healing. Yeah. And so when I read your book now, and when I look at you now, and I know where... You were 10 years ago. You couldn't have wrote it a day sooner. I couldn't have. I couldn't have. This book could not have come a day sooner than, than it, where it is. Because I didn't have the tools. You know, Marshawn talked about it. Patrice has talked about it. I didn't have the tools. I hadn't healed myself. And, you know, so often we, we walk around and say, oh, I'm healed, girl. Mm-hmm. Because we done said a prayer one time. And then we told somebody we forgave them, but you really ain't forgive them. <laughs> you know how you do, you mm-hmm. know. And, but I had to really go through the healing process of forgiving myself. I had to go through the healing process of healing the relationships, you know, of, of uncovering the things that I had suppressed for so many years. And then get over the shame of being the daughter of a megastar and still having stuff, because people look at you and don't think you have stuff. They think that, well, I saw she, what she rolled up in, or I saw what she had on, or I saw her purse. But honey, I was carrying around a whole lot of, a whole lot of bags. And I had a whole lot of things that I had to go deal with and, um, and heal from. And it had nothing to do with who my father was. It had everything to do with whose I really am, you know, mm-hmm. who, whose child I really am, you know. So <sighs> she keep looking over here, y'all. I keep, I, I, she, she, I can't. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I'm genuinely happy. I know. You look different. I know. I know. And that's what, you know, I tell people, like, people be like, Brandy, I mean, you, your glow up, like, it's so real. Like, you got the glow up. I'm like, I look like I drink my water and I, um, I forgive people. <laughs> I just look like forgiveness. Yeah. This is what Ooh. forgiveness look like. Some of y'all don't look like forgiveness. Yeah. And I'm just looking like forgiveness, you know? Yeah. And it's real. You know, when they say those memes on Instagram, like... Drink your water, mind your business, (laughs) use coconut oil. You know, I really, you know, I've really done the work. And all the years that I, you know, Patrice and I have been speaking on stages together for years. I mean, people know us back from Clark Atlanta days when we were speaking. So many kids, you know, come up to me all the time like, I remember when you was coming to Uh Clark Atlanta in 09. I'm like, yes, I am. Call me out. (laughs) You know, but it's, I've had to do the work. Yeah. And the work is real. You know, Marshawn talked about it, but it's the healing journey that I've been on. I could not, like, it has really been breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And when you've, 
dealt with so much abandonment, you know, the abandonment that I suffer from in my life from, and so many of us do, you know, you walking around here, you've been abandoned by your fathers, you don't have a relationship, so you go searching for your father, and so you get into relationships with men, and the moment, you know, because you was looking for your daddy and him, and the moment he showed up as your man, now you're confused mm-hmm. about the relationship, like, oh, 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 now you're my man, oh, I thought you was my daddy, okay, <laughs> You know, all those things. So I texted Brandy a couple days ago and I was like, friend, you are brilliant. Because I started reading the book and I had a digital copy. Do you know how frustrating that is? Because I am an old school highlighter, underline. So I'm like reading, trying to copy, paste, put it over. I was frustrated myself. But I said, before I go any further, I have to text my friend and tell her, that you are brilliant. Thank you. And Breakthrough Sold Separately is going to break so many chains that people are not even aware that they have probably just around their neck. Yeah. Right? Because I was reading things and I was like, ooh, I triggered. I was reading this for them so I could ask questions for them, not for me. Yeah. Right. Um, So I just want to start from the beginning. So you open the book by talking about your father, who is Steve Harvey, of course, releasing you from your position as executive director of the Stephen Marjorie Harvey Foundation. Before that happened, would you say that you were in your boat of mediocrity? I was. You know, I had just started therapy. You know, I had committed to therapy probably about six months prior to me being fired. So you feel like, ooh, I know this is coming. (laughs) Because it was not a surprise to me. I knew that I did not want to be there. Now, y'all know when you don't want to be there, you is planning, you know, your girl's trip on them people's jobs. (laughs) You you didn't plan a bachelorette weekend. You got you got trips going. You got Amazon open. You <laughs> you looking at subscribe. You 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 got all things going on in people's job, other than everything that's not your job. And so, but I knew that I was ready. You know, I knew that it was time for me to leave. I didn't feel the spark for my job. You know, and and I did great work. You know, the years of creating mentoring camps around the country for girls and boys um, to do really impactful work in the community, to have under, you know, the leadership of doing $1.3 million in 30 days for a charity ride. Like, I can't say that I wasn't doing nothing because I was doing some stuff. Mm -hmm. But I knew that God had called me higher. And I was stuck around, you know, I was stuck in a position where this is not my vision. This is somebody else's vision. Mm -hmm. This is, I don't want to do this like this. And you sitting up here with your ideas of what you want to do. And they like, nah, dog, we, this is not how we want to do that over here. And I was, you know, becoming a little more combative. It was things that I was just not going to do, but they were... (laughs) Oh, you're like me when I, when I had a job. Listen, I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't know right. what the people say. Gerald used to say, <laughs> not doing that. you're an awful employee. I'm like, first of all, sir, I get my job done. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> However, I'm just not going to all these meetings for the sake of meeting. 
I'm it, not going to the meetings. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not doing that, that, that kind of stuff that I didn't want to do. And there were like some fundamental things because my life had taken a shift. And the way I ate, the way I thought, the way I did, those were things that I wanted to impart onto the healing process of bringing kids to a program. Like, you can't transform people and then feed them, you know, Coca-Cola and Cheetos all day. We, you missing some stuff, you know? So there were things that even in that part that I was like, we're not, that's not what we're going to do. I mean, I was getting mad because I would cut, I would only allow the kids to have water, you know, during the, you cannot have soda, can't have. And I mean, I was getting backlash about that. I'm like, what? Y'all is dehydrated. Y'all can't even think. You, you dehydrated. And so, um, so it was like pushback about things like that just to cut down on the level of asthma attacks we were having. We were having so many asthma attacks on during, the, during the camp. And in order to cut down the asthma attacks, I cut the sugar. And they were like, how dare you cut the sugar? <laughs> Are you insane? Let me get off these people's job. <laughs> Let me get off these people's job. I got to get off these people's job. This is so, real. I'm yeah. so, I wish I was lying. I'm not. I'm not lying. <laughs> so, when, so when you were terminated mm-hmm. from your position, you were given a severance package. I did. Yeah. And you thought, what next? Like, how, how did you get to beyond her? So I got this severance package August 23rd, 2017. And I want you to buy the book. I tell this story, though, because I literally was sitting. I was like, Craig, from Friday, <laughs> on my day off, I got fired. I did not steal <laughs> nobody boxes. I promise you I didn't steal them people boxes. But literally, I'm sitting at my dad's house around the pool with my sister, with my brother, and an email comes in. And the email says, we would like to welcome the new executive director of the Steve and Marjorie Harvey Foundation. Face done. Just, I'm done. I'm like, my sister is reading the email because it's a company-wide email. My brother's reading the email. It's a company-wide email. They're looking at me. Don't, don't, I know y'all looking like, really? Yes, this is real life. And... I'm sitting up here like, my sister's like, are you reading what I'm reading? And I was like, yep, yep. And so literally that day, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, okay, this is my time. I'm going to write the book. I'm going to write a book. And then you go sit down and you're like, well, what are you going to write about? <laughs> it's cute and all. It's great to say that. But then what are you going to write about? And I started the writing process, but I kept saying, you know, I remember one night, it was like one o'clock in the morning, I've got my laptop up and I'm like, I got to go do something. You know, I had this severance package. What am I going to go do? Okay, I got to go somewhere. Now, of course, you think that your breakthrough is going to come with a cocktail on a beach. You're going to be like Stella. You're going to go get your groove back. Mm -hmm. And so all this time I'm looking at places of where I'm going to go. And I'm like, God is like silent meditation. Silent meditation. I'm like, oh, no, God, that can't be where where I'm supposed to go. Mm -mm." And so I get in the shower that that night. And um, to get the things you've never had, you got to do the things you've never done. And the Holy Spirit kept replaying that. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I get up at 5, 
Four hours later, I get up, I'm driving to the gym, no music on, and all that's playing in my head is to get the things you've never had, you got to do the things you've never done. Mm -hmm. So I go back to the silent meditation retreat. And initially, I wanted to go to this place in California because, you know, Deepak Chopra had been there. And I was like, if Deepak had been there, girl, I got to go there. Oprah, yes. Spiritual. Got it. And so, no. I find this place in Boone, North Carolina. Boone, North Carolina. And I'm like, no, this can't be. Boone? And they called and were so, I called them and they were so informative on the phone. And like, they were the best people because the people in California, like they had this major price tag and I was like, they don't even know what they're talking about on the phone. I cannot submit to that. (laughs) Boom. They're like, hi, welcome to the Art of Living Center. How are you today? Oh, great. I'm supposed to be here. And I went to the mountains. I drove five hours from Atlanta and I went and got silent in the mountains for five days. And I didn't talk. And that's the crazy part, because y'all know, honey, we talk for a living. And so not to talk. And I went to the mountains. I remember telling my mom that I was going, and my mom was downstairs in my house, and she was like, why? (laughs) Oh, that's not anything I would want to go do. (laughs) But you go do that. (laughs) But I went and got silent. And I never thought that I was going to start beyond her. That was not it. I did not know that I was going to start a weekly newsletter. I did not know I was going to be writing inspirational messages every week. I had, that was not in the plan. The plan was I was just going to write a book. But God said, I called you higher. Mm-hmm. I called you to do something higher with your life. And it, it ain't just about you. Because there's some people along the way that you're going to have to get to. It's some people along the way that need the information that you have and they need to be lifted higher too, but I need you to go get silent about it. And I went and got silent. And when I came out of the silence, it was really like the eureka moment. It was like, okay, full steam ahead. Let's go get it. And I haven't turned back since. And it it helps me honor the silence every single day in my life. I meditate. I get silence. I focus on my breath, you know, even in, even off to the side of the stage, even in the car, wherever, you know, it's such a practice for me. And, um, I knew that it was, it was so necessary. And I think that so often, so many women don't want to take the time to go get away from it all. Yeah. Because a lot of times you say we don't have the luxury to do it. Oh, I can't go be away. I can't put my phone down. I can't be away from emails. I can't do all those things. But like literally, I had my mountaintop experience. I literally met God on the mountain. And when I went away on on that trip, I literally, I came back transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I had to go renew my mind. I had to go get my mind right. And if you're not willing to take that journey to get your mind right, you're not going to see the real blessing that God has for you. But God is always inviting us. Mm -hmm. There's always an invitation. And originally when I went silent, the book was supposed to be called, it was like, 
an invitation. It was like supposed to be like something like each chapter is gonna be an invitation. It was an invitation. Oh, so it was so deep, child. It was like, <laughs> so deep. And <laughs> and 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 over the two years that it's taken me to write this book. It's taken me two years to write it. August 23rd, 2017, I was fired. August 23rd, 2019, I sent it to the publisher. Mm. I kid you not, to the day. So when I sent that book over to the publisher on the 23rd, like, I couldn't even tell you the, like, it wasn't a weight that I felt lifted off of me. I just felt free. Yeah. I felt like this, I'm, I'm running now, you know, where I felt like I was jogging along before. Like, now nah, I'm in a full sprint. Like, God, you just, you just gave me wings. I'm just out here red bulling, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just, I'm just out here soaring, you know? And, and it looks different and it feels different. You know, it, I love the, the Romans 12 too, because we always say be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but we lose the other part that you will show the good and perfect will of God. Like, when you transform, you are going to look different. You better. When you transform, you better show up different. When is, you got to show up better. And, like, because I show up better, it's, it's a blessing to not only, you know, the people around me, but, like, the people who I've never even seen before. Like, they like, oh, your skin. Like, what you do for your skin? I'd be like... I don't know. I just drink water and forgive. I just drink water and forgive. You know. So do you feel like when initially when you got fired, were you upset with your dad? Or did no. you just know no. it was time? It was that push. It was it was time. You know, we had, you know, had a lot of miscommunication in our relationship. You know, where we just don't talk. We shut down with each other. And I knew that this was what I needed Mm -hmm. to free myself because so often we attach ourselves to positions because we want to be validated by people. We want them to, we want them to validate us. And so for all the years that I didn't have that real close relationship with my father, I was clinging to this position because this gave me the, the, the closeness that I thought I needed. This gave me the, well, I work for my dad, like, but you still don't have relationship. And so many of us, we go to church and we have, uh, we, we sit up and we talk about, we know God, but we don't have the relationship. And so I knew my father, but we didn't have relationship. And so I was not angry with him at all. I think that me being fired was the best thing that happened to our relationship. <laughs> I really do. I think it was the best thing because it freed me of the need to want to be validated in that way. Yeah. It freed me of the need to want you to accept me, you know, and now I'm constantly trying to prove myself. I was constantly in a position trying to prove myself, win you over. Like if I do this, you'll love me more. If I do this, you'll show up for me more. And all I had to learn was I had to start showing up for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I ask you that because it's clear that the season was up. Yeah. But some of us like to romanticize what is going on in that season in order to just overstay our welcome. Yeah. And so then we have these opportunities. We don't see them as opportunities, but something happens that we don't like because we're uncomfortable with changing things. Or when when things change, 
and we didn't initiate the change. <laughs> We're mad, yeah. but truly it can be the beginning of something much better. Yeah. It was a whole new chapter. I opened up a whole new life. It freed me up from so, so many of the, the hangups that I had. Mm -hmm. It freed me up because I didn't realize why I was so angry showing up to work. And some of y'all probably do show up angry, you know, to work in spaces. You don't even know why you got an attitude. As soon as you hit the dough, you got an attitude. You like, <laughs> you know, and I didn't want to be that anymore. Yeah. I didn't want to be that. And I knew that I had to take control because no one was going to fix it for me. I had to do all the fixing myself. And when you give up the victim story in your life that, oh, they don't like me. Oh, they did it to me. Oh, man, they, they just got me. They got me messed up. They don't, want me to, they don't want me to win. No. When do you want to win? Whenever you feel yourself, deem yourself worthy of winning, that's when the winning season happens. Mm -hmm. Whenever you think you deserve it and you believe it enough, that's when the season opens up for you. But until then, you're going to be angry. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be bitter. You're going to be resentful. And I did not want that any longer for my life. I wanted to break free. I wanted to have a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk in the book about the honesty you have to have with yourself. Yeah. And you say getting honest with yourself also requires you to look under the labels other people have given you and the roles you play. If you've been cast as the smart girl, that was mine, the fast girl, the funny girl, the drama queen, the pretty girl, the ugly girl, or the martyr, no, that's not who you are. It's just a role you've played. Yeah. So which one of those roles were you playing? I was definitely playing the smart girl, the perfectionist girl. Um, but it just depends because at some points I was playing the fast girl too, you know. <laughs> you know, your so mother's here. I know she yeah. is, but that's that's the beauty of, of this, what this is, you yeah. know. Because at some moments I was I was a fast girl, and some moments I was the ugly girl because I internalized the things that people said to me over the years. And being growing up, as, as so many of us have as black women, we don't see ourselves represented. And we're not the ideal standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And so we internalize all these things about ourselves. And we say, well, I'm not pretty enough to do that. Or I'm not good enough to do that. Or I'm not this and I'm not that. And we tell ourselves all these stories. And I wanted to did, get... Did you ever feel, though, like you were actually saying that? Because I don't remember saying... You're the ugly girl, no. pretend to be the smart girl. No. I don't, but so how do we recognize the labels that we're wearing? How were, how were you able to look back and recognize, oh, that was just a label and that was just a story I was telling myself that really had nothing to do with me? Because it, it usually shows up, like many of us who are high achievers or perfectionists, right? We usually show up that way because we're trying to get somebody to like see me. You know, and so I wanted my father to see me. So if I excel and I do really well and I get the straight A's and I got the scholarship and I got the award and I got the accolade, you'll finally see me. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to see me. And it shows up in all those ways. It shows up in how we go into our relationships. It shows up when we enter into relationships with men. You know, and we're wondering why we're not getting what we want out of the relationship was well, because I've been I've been fake and phony with myself. 
Mm. I've been emotionally dishonest. I've been suppressing my emotions all these years. So now it just shows up in my drinking. It shows up in my shopping. It shows up in my eating. Everything about me is just, I've been trying to keep it down so it really don't come out so you really don't see who I really am. Mm -hmm. And if I could hide myself behind it, so many black women are hiding behind bodies because things have happened to us. And so I'm not going to show up and maybe because I don't want you to see me as being attractive because I thought maybe when I was a kid and I got shown that I was somebody was attracted to me, something happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so now I've hidden myself behind this body. Now I've hidden myself behind the food. Now I've hidden myself behind the alcohol where you can't quite go to a function without it being a function. (laughs) You know, all those things, and they show up for us. And we get, it's hard, you know, because we've never been allowed as black women in this country to be emotionally honest. Yeah. Because in our emotional honesty, it usually meant that we might not be safe. Meaning, ancestrally, right, our history. If we cried out, that meant somebody might get hurt. We didn't have the luxury of of grieving the loss of our husbands, our children, our children being kidnapped, snatched away from us. We had to what? Go back to work. Go back to work. We didn't have the luxury of being able to grieve when our husband was lynched or killed or maimed or castrated in front of us. We didn't have that luxury. And so culturally, we've internalized that. And so now when grandma died, we just go back to work. We keep working. And now when, when, my, when my husband has left me or when I've, you know, experienced this great devastation in my life, now I just, well, I just got, I'm going to keep going to work. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm I have a, stuff to do. I got stuff to do. I'm going to just be busy. And we become so emotionally dishonest that when we actually see our sisters being emotionally honest, what's wrong with her? And so we ask questions like, why she act like that when we really should be asking what happened to her? Because something has happened to all of us. And it's internalized in our DNA. You know, because all these traumas, and we look at the trauma of our life as only being big traumas, not the little traumas. See, the big traumas, well, so-and-so died. Well, And I hear people say it all the time, well, nobody died. You know, I didn't have anybody die, but a relationship died. And I was deeply affected by it. Mm-hmm. My father was there one day, and then one day he wasn't. That affected me. Well, I was used to something in my life, and now it's no longer there. And so we don't think that that's a big enough thing. But it's big enough for you to keep drinking yourself to sleep at night. It's big enough for you to try to shop it away. And it's never going to go away because we got to be honest about what it really is. And it's the hurt and the pain in our lives. And until we understand that and uncover it and deal with it and confront it, it's just going to keep showing up with a different mask and a different pair of jeans and a different pair of gray sweatpants at your door. (laughs) Oh, well. That, but you got to the point, that was the part in the book where I had to 
close it up and just text you. Yeah. Because that was the part that convicted me. Because as you talk about in the book, we have this narrative of the strong black woman. Yeah. And so I have prided myself for my resilience. Yeah. When people say, what's your superpower? Because if you knock me down, I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to keep getting back up. But I jump up so quickly sometimes that I don't know that I've truly processed the grief on the way up. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was reading, I said, that damn Brandy Harvey. <laughs> That's not what I was reading for, Brandy. <laughs> I was reading for the people. <laughs> yeah. But I'm so glad you opened that up because it started this conversation between my husband and I. Like, you don't know. Between me and Gerald, girl. <laughs> started this conversation between Gerald and I because he kept saying, aren't you so excited? Everyone's coming to Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited Right. But because I start reading the book, I realize that I stay in this place where I never get too excited. Never get too. Yeah. And I never fall too hard because I haven't allowed myself to just feel yeah. all the time. And I really didn't even realize that if you asked me two weeks ago, I'm living. What? Yes. I'm. I didn't even realize it. And why it's so important, just because Brandy's my friend, I'm not just going to share her book. Let's be clear, <laughs> right? I share because there is healing in those pages. Yeah. And the work is never done. Mm -hmm. There's always, every time you think like, oh, I'm good, I got past something. Yeah. Right. And then, like you said, you start judging other people. Why don't they just get that girl? And she just get over it. We have stuff to do. There's work to be done. There's coins to be made. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. But no, I, one of the things for me that I decided since um, I've been reading the book is just to have greater compassion for my sisters. And I really feel like I do have great compassion for women. You know, I say all the time. Because of everything that I've been through, I've been I was passionate about financial education. I was passionate about the stuff that I did. But because of my bathroom floor experience and everything that went along with it, I now have compassion. Yeah. But now I realize that I have to have a different level of compassion for allowing people the dignity of their own process. So whatever they need to grieve, no matter how big or small, it is not for me to judge my sister's grief. No. I'm not here to judge her grief, yeah. whether it's because her dog passed yeah. or she had something happen in her marriage or she is grieving the loss of a job that she said she wanted to leave anyway. So what you <laughs> mad about? I thought we were good. I'm like, girl, OK, well, first step, get your LLC. Like, I'm moving on. <laughs> and yeah. I'm realizing now, even as a friend, that everyone doesn't need my coaching. Hmm. They just need me to have compassion for their grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, in writing this book, it was, it was very therapeutic for me because even coming up with the title Breakthrough Sold Separately, right? Because I was speaking at a retreat in Arizona and literally like, I did not know what I was going to say. And like, when I tell you it was such a physical attack on my body, I couldn't think I was in the hotel room with like the shades drawn, blinds, blacked out curtains, 
a cold compress towel over my face. I couldn't, like nothing. And I ended up, because I'm at this wellness retreat, this spa um, in Arizona, I go get this neuromuscular massage. And so I got this massage. I mean, this white boy had healing hands, (laughs) y'all. He touched me in a way, honey, that... (laughs) And and I am... I, when I literally, I could feel like all the pressure draining down the back of my neck. Like I could feel it. Just like, it felt like a faucet. Like he opened up a faucet and it just, so after I'm leaving, I'm sitting at dinner by myself and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, it was always so crazy when you would have Christmas and your parents would get you the gift, but they ain't had the batteries. (laughs) The batteries are so separate. Okay, and that will always mess up the Christmas when you had the light bright and you ain't had no batteries. (laughs) And I'm sitting up here like, but people come to these retreats thinking that the breakthrough is included. They think that because I spent the money that I'm supposed to get the breakthrough, but the breakthrough is so separate. Okay. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I said, well, I'm trying to think about in the scripture when they had a breakthrough. I'm trying to think. I said, well, Jesus walked on water. I said, that was a breakthrough. I said, okay. So I went back to Matthew 14 and I said, well, wait a minute. Before Jesus walked on water, what did he do? So before Jesus walked on water, he fed the multitudes. He had just come off of a miracle. And so he fed the multitudes, but in order to get clear and fit for his next assignment, he went to the mountains to go be by himself to pray. And so he went to the mountains and he sent Peter on and he said, go gas the boat up, Peter. I'll be there in a minute. Y'all go on. And I don't want y'all to think that Jesus had some little boat because Jesus wasn't poor. He wasn't broke. He was like DJ Khaled. We the best. (laughs) You know, and so, so Jesus gets from the mountain, he gets... Now, here's the thing. There is the waves is crashing. There is there's a storm brewing. This is the test of the faith. Because the faith is never going to be tested when it's sunny outside and it's clear for you to walk. You got to have some some terrain to get through. And so Jesus says, "Okay, really, I'm supposed to be clear on my assignment right now. Okay, right now. Okay, cool. Now I got to walk on the water. And then you got your friend, right, who doubting because they need receipts. You know, you always got the friend that need receipts. So here's Peter. Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come, because there's always an invitation into your destiny. There's always an invitation when they open up the doors of the church, we would like to open up the doors of the church so you can what? Accept God as your personal savior, Jesus as your person. It's an invitation. We open it up. Now, if you come on now, it's up to you. So now he's at the boat. And I'm sitting up here like trying to see how the breakthrough happened. Well, when the breakthrough was coming. And Peter, he gets out of the boat. Somebody was so funny on social media because the comments are so funny. They said, when, that, when a book title came out, they said, well, Jesus was the only person who walked on water. And I said, well, you missed the scripture because Peter got out the boat. <laughs> he got it. scared, but he got out the boat and he walked on water. And so 
I knew that in order for you to understand this, that everybody has a water walking experience. No matter what it is, mine came when I had to get out the boat of mediocrity of the foundation and walk on water. But we all have this Christ-like potential. See, the book talks about you having a Christ-like potential, this great purpose that you've been destined for in your life. But it requires you to get out of the boat. It requires you to be unstuck, unchained. And whatever the boat is, your marriage, your job, your relationship, the stuff with your parents, the stuff that's been keeping you stuck all these years, your children, it requires you to get out of the boat. And I just, I, I, I just knew that in writing this book, I'm, this is like Harriet Tubman for me, you know, I believe I'm really a freedom, you know, revolutionary freedom <laughs> fighter, but this is how I get people free. Mm-hmm. You know, because I got free, it is my duty yes. to break other women free. Free from overeating, free from overdrinking, free from oversexing, free from the pain, free from the hurt. It's my job. It's my duty. I've been called. I'm on an assignment. And so it's to get you free. But the breakthrough, you got to go get that. You got to work for that. That is not, it's not free. It's not free. It is, it is through hard work, sacrifice. Yeah. It is all of those things. You know, therapy for me was, was a part of that. You know, and I constantly tell women that therapy is so, is so necessary for me. And I don't shame away from telling people that I go to therapy every week. Every Wednesday. I still, every Wednesday, one o'clock. There's nothing else on my schedule because I made the commitment to that. Because my continual healing, yeah, I've healed from some things, but every week I get to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Every week I get to walk in another layer of the healing process. I love you. I love you. I, just, I love you. Because I could talk to you later, so. I know. I'm, yeah. I know, but, but our friend held up that the, sign. I saw the sign. She did. Mm-hmm. And, la- and they said, next time we hold a sign. You got to listen. Ma'am, mm-hmm. so um, I'm scared of the people in the back, <laughs> so we gone. Man, there's so much in here. Does everyone have their copy already? Did you get your copy? Okay, the author is here. Don't play games. I will be signing. She will be signing books back there. Yes. I will be signing. You are the Harriet Tubman friend. I am. This is your freedom papers. Yeah, of personal transportation. This is your freedom papers. (laughs) I've already gotten so much, and I'm still unpacking, and I'm still having those moments, and I'm going to be texting you. Or sliding in the DM every yeah. other day yeah. as I'm convicted. But I'm excited to be convicted because I know it's on the other side of that. Yeah. I know that, like you talk about foundational principles, just the, the, your base level of who you, yeah. what you know you're going to follow and commit yeah. to. Because sometimes we play people to the left because they're our friend, right? And because we know all these other things. The greatness that is in this book, girl, I'm ready. It's go time for me. If you're in the pod club, we're reading it next. So get your copy. (laughs) Go ahead and get your copy now. So you're ready. We're going to read it after our current book. Before I let you go, you know, I have to ask you rapid wisdom questions. How do you define success now? Success for me is loving the woman that I see in the mirror. That's real success. That's the true success. 
is applauding her, loving on her, telling her how good and fabulous and wonderful she is. Like to be able to say that, yeah. like that's success, you know, to honor the God in me and honor the God in other people when I see them, to know that God is really everywhere in all things, omnipotent, omnipresent in all of us. Mm-hmm. That's success. Mm-hmm. How do you define wealth in three words or less? In three words or less, how do I define wealth? I am enough. You know, that's my thing for the year. Is it? Gerald gave me a necklace that says, I'm enough. Well, you know, we've always been on, you know, one accord. Always. Washington. Always. <laughs> What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? <laughs> Look. <laughs> Wait, all? <laughs> Breakthrough sold separately. Yeah. Because I had to get out of my own boat of mediocrity and walk on water. Because I had to build up my faith muscle to trust God enough to believe in the unseen Mm -hmm. and the things I couldn't see. I couldn't see beyond her. I couldn't see this book being what it is. I couldn't see the woman that you see in front of I couldn't see that by myself. But because God is so faithful, because God is so very present, you know, I get to just be a manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. Of God revealed on the planet, man, what? How could I not win? How could I not be great? How could I not be successful? How could I be prosperous? How could I not walk on water? How could I not? So why not me? Yeah. Because when Jesus took, took the cross, when he took the cross, he showed us the greatest sacrifice of love. That I will love you so much. I will show you purpose on a whole nother level. I will redefine wealth for you on a whole nother level. Because I'll take the cross. And so what if we all took the cross in our own lives? What if we all picked it up and walked what we were supposed to purposefully do in this life? Mm. How we were supposed to purposefully create miracles. How are we supposed to heal people, touch people, teach people? We get that opportunity. And because I get to do it on this level, on this stage, and share with friends who we've come from the bottom together to love each other through it all, how could I not win? How could I not win? Every day I win. Yes. Is it past four o'clock? Because I said I would only last till four with my lashes. I'm free. Fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Brandy Harvey, and the truth about wealth is you have to define it for yourself. 
every single day, every opportunity, every encounter. The truth about wealth is it's not just money. It's about how many lives do I get to touch today? How many people do I get to take across the freedom line? How many people do I get to transform? That's the real wealth. When people smile at me and look at me and say, because of you. Yes. That's real wealth. Yeah. I'm grateful. I'm grateful too. I love you so much. I'm so proud. I don't even know what to do. We don't even know what to do. Um, is, there, is there time for just a couple Q&A? Okay. Or like Q&A or if you just want to say something to Brandy. Yes, ma'am. Forgive me, y'all. I just want to say something real quick. Brandy, thank you. Today I received confirmation. Do I know my next steps? No. <laughs> but you gave me the faith that I needed to know that it's okay and I am enough. I don't have enough time to tell you what I went through from Friday to be here now to tell you why it's confirming, but me and my girlfriend right here is like best friend goals, cause she knows. <laughs> and I just wanna say thank you. Thank you so much. So welcome, so welcome. Wow. Um, hello, everybody. I have to share this all the way from Columbia, South Carolina. I came here because everything that I heard here today was for my new beginnings to all things new. In July of this year, uh, my husband and I, soon to be ex-husband, lost our home to foreclosure. I knew when the foreclosure notices started coming in. I'm 55 years old. My first marriage was at the age of 48, my first and only. I have three beautiful grown daughters. I raised them for 20 years by myself. I am in the process now. I've, I've just started working for the state for three months, starting over. So I'm in, walking in my new. And I plan on purchasing every single book that has been written by everybody who was sitting up there. <laughs> Being as myself, I am an author as well, a visionary, vision board hostess. I've got all of that, but now I'm in a position of moving forward, preparing myself for separation. So I really appreciate everything that was shared. I'm so excited because I'm already walking in it, but I'm latching on. And I'm ready. I'm fired up, more fired up now. And I'm so glad that I'm not driving, but my beautiful daughter is the driver because I'm not able to contain myself. I soak everything up like a sponge. So I'm just ready to move forward. That's Thank good. You. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. There's, where, wherever you want to run in those boots, honey, you, you decide. <laughs> I appreciate you. Hi, I wanted to ask Brandy, you talk about breaking through, but as individuals, when we go through stuff, 
breaking through and shedding the pain is so hard. And like, you know, you're Steve Harvey's daughter, so you have like a whole mountain load of expectations you have to live up to. Mm. So I feel like I just a little little middleman, but I try to get to your caliber, but I feel like the pain that I go through is like so much. But seeing you up there, I sure you had pain more than what I've been through. So I basically want to know how you get here and you could like be vibrant. You don't see the hurt on your face. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to say this because I think that there is a lot of a lot of times when we see people who may be in the public eye or you've seen people on television or you've seen people in magazines. And so we immediately peg them. We think, oh, well, she's this. She's that. She's got that. But I want you to humanize people's circumstances. I want you to humanize people's pain, not looking at what they do for a living or who they're attached to in their life. I want you to humanize them. Because no matter what you may think you've seen on television, it gives you a small snapshot into my life. It gives you a small snapshot. On Instagram, you get a small snapshot. I'm giving you a highlight of the day. But you don't understand that there's been some, a lot of mountains and valleys and hills and things that I've had to endure. And I think the reason that I'm able to sit here now is because I've done my work. See, Steve Harvey couldn't get up here and do this work. He had to do his work. He's on his assignment. And for me to fulfill the destiny that God has on my life, I had to do the work so I could fulfill my divine assignment. And it has nothing to do with who my father is. I think he's given me a great running start. But the race, oh, this race, I got to run this one myself. To get to the end of where God has called me to be, nobody can run on these shoes. I got to lace these up for myself. I got to go chug down the water for myself. And so I implore you to do the same thing. And the healing journey is going to look different for everybody. Right. What I give you, the blueprint I give you in this book is what I used. But you can customize that to however you need to, to fit your life and where you are. And so I think it's just, it's not a one size fits all. But heart work, as I say in the book, is hard work. Mm-hmm. In order to do the heart work, you got to be committed to doing the hard work. Yes. Yes, that's good. That's good. We have one more. So I promise I'm not going to cry. Um, and that's why I didn't wear my lashes, because I didn't trust myself. <laughs> um, so um, I just want to say publicly thank you um, to Patrice. I met her in Atlanta like two years ago, maybe going on three. Maybe like three. Three, yeah. And uh, when I met her, a couple things. She doesn't know, but I had just left my job the day before. And um, I'm glad I did. <laughs> so um, I was able to start a really, really amazing brand. It's called The Student Loan Doctor. And if it wasn't for seeing women like her doing the work in this space authentically, I probably wouldn't be encouraged to do what I do and how I do it. Because I feel like sometimes you see so many people doing it on social media. And they're mean in real life. 
And that's not Patrice, praise God. I was just praying she wasn't <laughs> like that. She's not. Um, and I will say, during the last few years, it's been a, a, a really great roller coaster, a really lonely one. <laughs> Sorry, you want to say okay. I'm back. <laughs> and, um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so I only came down here for one day, and I'm like, I'm like, God, why do you have me go? I'm tired. I wanted to stay asleep. <laughs> and I'm from Philly. And um, God was like, you got to go. So I'm like, why? All right. Anyway, I stopped getting smart with God a long time ago. So I came. And just hearing you say, uh, I am enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, I love you, Patrice. Thank you. Love you, And too. to um, to go through a lot uh, professionally, right? And always have a smile. Personally, you could just be having a lot on you. And this year, I saw somebody that was really close to me. I said, this year, I was like, this year, I went through a lot personally. But I had to show up every day. Mm-hmm. And I have employees, and I got to show up for them every day. And when nobody cuts your check and you cut the check, you got to show up every day. Yeah. <laughs> so learning how to be enough and learning how to press through when you don't feel like it. And then going to the mountain get into the quiet space with God. Um, I think it was confirmation. So I'll leave you with this. I heard this and it just changed my life like a few months ago. Um, The robber of an extraordinary life is having a good life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ain't nothing good about me. I'm extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So you remind me of that by deciding you didn't want to just be good anymore. And I'm so grateful you got laid off. I am. (laughs) Because you're here. I'm so grateful you got laid off. I am too. I'm grateful you got laid off. I I just want to say one thing. Yes, ma'am. You bold? Hey, girl. She was like, you will answer me. Okay, wait. I want to say one thing. I am enough does not mean that I operate in isolation. So now knowing that I am enough just means for me that I am worthy of asking for support and receiving it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that I am enough, if you're not really clear on it, can go the wrong way. And it makes you go, well, I'm enough. So I don't need anybody else. (laughs) Right. I'm enough. I have what it takes. I'm enough. I'm smart enough. God has already given everything I need and all of that stuff. But that will keep us operating in cycles of confusion because we are too prideful to ask for help or to align ourselves with other people, to create partnerships that are a win-win, to get in accountability groups, right? Where people can hold us accountable on those days when we're, we don't feel like we're enough, where they can speak life into us. And so I own that I am enough now. And I, I have to say it over and over again, but I'm, I own it from a space of I'm worthy of support. I'm worthy of support. And when I ask for help, I expect to receive help now because my mindset several years ago was that if I ask, people are going to talk about me mm-hmm. or I'm no longer going to have my label of the smart girl and the one who can always figure it out and make it happen. So just sometimes I just feel like these, these little sayings and these memes and these cliches, if we don't really unpack them well, we can take something that was meant for good and turn it into something that also keeps us hostage. Ma'am, that jumped up. Hi. <laughs> You're going to be our last one. Hey there. <laughs> Hi, my name is Deanna Warren, and I just want to be really, really quick. Um, when I heard her say that she went to the mountains just for that quiet, 
Um, I'm married. I've been married for three years. I'm 28. My husband, he's just turned 40. It just so happened that way, but he doesn't look like he's 40, but he is. <laughs> and um, he was married once before. He had a, um, a wife. She got hit by a drunk driver, and they have a son. And um, I met Gavin when he was six, and now he's 13. And so I'm the only mom he knows. So we have a unique dynamic. Uh, we became an instant family. And not a lot of my friends and family really understand um, just some of the things that I go through in my life. Either they have infants and they don't have teenagers. And um, I knew my husband didn't want to have a child um, when we got married. But before, um, I had the opportunity to be with a man who did want to have a child, but he didn't have a lot of the qualities that were very key. And so I had to decide, would I go with a man who doesn't want a child, but who has a child who doesn't have a mom, but he has a lot of those key qualities that I want, or will I go with a man who only wants to give me a baby, and I don't even know if I can have a child. And so I chose the other, um, the other story, and I have my instant family, and I love my instant family, but with that comes a lot of sacrifices. Um, I've had to go through and identify different griefs that I deal with. I just started going to baby showers. I wasn't doing that, and different things like that. In my family, they kind of, um, you know, Deanna, just have a baby, or trick him into having a baby, or different things like that. Oh, who's giving that you advice? Know, no, but you'll, you'll, you'll hear yeah. that. And I had one of your podcasts, what drew me to you, I, I heard her name was Lisa. And Lisa Billia. Yes. And she said she had to make a choice. She had to commit to her decision. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I committed to my decision, I stopped resenting my husband, and I stopped pouring that love into my son. But still, I have those moments of grief. And with that, um, this past weekend, Thursday through Saturday, I went to um, Danesville, Georgia, and I stayed in this a tiny house for three days in silence. And my husband awards me that freedom in our marriage because he knows that I need that. And when I heard that you did that, I was like, oh, my God, another black woman went and was by herself <laughs> in silence. I was like, because, you know, you go down there and people are like, why are you going? My mom called me like three times. Are you OK? Are you OK? And it's just like it's so important to be in silence and to feel because we forget to feel. Yeah. And if I don't do that, then I'll start, like I said, resenting my husband and not pointing to my son. And so that was just so empowering to hear how it's important. And thank you for the podcast and just everyone sharing their story. And today has been really empowering. I just wanted to share and just, it made me feel like, oh my gosh, it, it's so important and it's a continuous process. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Did you guys have a good time? Man, a vision realized. Again, I'm so honored for each of you that took time out of your lives and traveled from all over the place to be here with us today. And I truly hope that you met some fellow purpose chasers, as I promised, and that you enjoyed yourselves and that you were going home with something to consider, right? I'm always, I always say, I'm not trying to force anything on you. I just want to give you things to consider And whatever applies to your life, then you take it and you use it. And I want you to run with it and do whatever God has for you with it. That is truly my my hope. Before we get out of here, I just have to thank my guests, Marshawn Evans-Daniels and Brandi Harvey. I 
have to thank, again, the sponsors who helped make this possible. TaxBot Pro, ABR, Atlanta's Best Realtors, Iberia Bank. Thank you so much for the contribution to making Redefining Wealth Live the very first one. I have to thank an amazing team, an amazing team. And this is my understanding of Yes, I'm enough, but girl, you don't know what you're doing. And so you need to stay in your lane and stay in your genius. This is is my only lane, mama. This is my only lane. Now, event production, that's not what I do. That's not my ministry. However, J Divine Events, where's Victoria and Ebony and Jamila? Thank you guys so much. They've been absolutely phenomenal. If you are in Atlanta or anywhere near, you need to hit them up. They're absolutely incredible. To my team, Chauncey, who, if you guys are purpose chasers, you ever see Chauncey posting in the community, wave Chauncey so they know you're real. (laughs) To Chauncey, to Gwendolyn, who you hear me talk about, she's my COO. Uh, to Courage, my co-coach at Mastery Momentum. And we had Olivia and Jackie. They're all probably somewhere working, as you know, doing stuff. But Olivia, Jackie, Sandra, I appreciate you guys so, so much. Thank you for just being an extra set of eyes and ears and the things that they shield me from. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful. They really, really do. Mike and Stephanie... Mike is one of my best friends from L.A., and he flew in just to do my hair because he loved me. (laughs) And I love him. Um, To my groups, Purpose to Platform, if you're here, make some noise. (laughs) Mastery and Momentum. (laughs) I am so honored to have an opportunity to serve you guys. And y'all know, y'all know I'll cry in a minute. We're going to cry later. But so honored that you take redefining wealth so seriously and that you have made the commitment to make redefining wealth not some theory on a podcast, but a part of how you live your life. And to see the transformation for some of you within three months and what is happening in your lives and for the rest of you 10 months that you've been in the program and what is happening in your lives. Just thank you for saying yes. Just thank you for saying yes, because everybody doesn't, right? And I appreciate that. I have to thank some of my good girlfriends. Y'all know Sherry Riley from the podcast. Sherry's here. Doreen Rainey is here. And I'm so grateful for you guys. And I have to thank, last but of course not least, my husband, Gerald Washington. And my daughter, Reagan Washington. No, seriously, for their sacrifice. Because it's not easy for mom to be gone every week. And they show me so much grace. And my daughter is so proud. And I, you guys don't know what it means to me that she gets to see your faces. Because I'm like, look at this email this woman sent me. This is just beautiful. Look at this, look at my client. My client is going across the world speaking, Lord. Like, but for her to be able to see your faces and know that you're real and know 
that when you honor the call that God has put in your life, what's possible that it's not just about you, it's about what you can do for other people. It matters to me that she sees you guys and that she sees in this room a majority of beautiful black women that she can, that I'm not doing it by myself, that she knows that you guys exist means so much to me. So thank you so much for being here. I feel like I'm supposed to say something else, but I'm, I don't have nothing to So I did it. I went as long as I could with these lashes. If you take a picture with me, it's half a lash. Doctor that up how you must. And, um, and for those of you, I know there's several of you who are interested in Purpose to Platform. I have to tell you that this is one of the last opportunities for you to come in at the rate that we currently offer. Purpose to Platform is a $5,000 investment, and today we're offering it at $4,000. Brandy said something about an invitation. There are some of you in this room right now, under the sound of my voice, you know that you are in the boat of mediocrity. You know that God has called you to do something, and you have allowed yourself to stay stuck in circles of overwhelming confusion, not because there are not people out there like myself and these ladies who will support you, not because of that, but because you won't say yes. So when I meet you, I don't want to hear, I'm going to keep it real, I don't want to hear the same story about what God told you to do every time I meet you. If I met you two years ago in Jersey, and then I met you last year in Philly, and then we were at the same conference in California, and now you're here, and you are saying the same story over and over and over again, it is really time. What are you waiting for? If you prayed, this may be your answer. So this is your invitation. If you are looking for a supportive community and you're looking for clarity around your purpose, because how can you say every time you listen to this podcast, chase purpose, not money, and you are only making decisions rooted in fear and not faith? At some point, you got to make the decision that the breakthrough is sold separately. And so you've gotten the revelation, but now let's do the work and let's get you to the breakthrough. So if you feel anything, if, there, if that resonates with you at all, this is the invitation and we would love to serve you. Outside of that, I want you guys to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Okay, didn't I tell you? Oh such a good conversation. Listen, I want to encourage you to get Breakthrough Sold separately. If you are in Patrice's pod club, you are an official purpose chaser over at IamAPurposeChaser.com, then you know that Breakthrough Sold Separately is the next book that we're reading. If you want to be down, I suggest you order your copy now. Come on over to IamAPurposeChaser.com and go to the channel that says Patrice's pod club. We have one book right now that we are still uh, working through, Tanya Dalton's Joy of Missing Out. And once we get through with that, our next book is going to be Brandy's. So join us. There's quite a few of us that read books together and then we get to get on every other month and discuss it as a group on a Sunday evening. Really cool. I love you know being on the same page with you all and the connection that we share there. So 
Come join Patrice's Pod Club. It's completely free. It's part of the Purpose Chaser community. I want to see you there. And I want to encourage you to really read more. One of the things that I actually admire about Brandy, just as a girlfriend, is that she does not play about reading. She stays in a book. Uh, and I really know that that has been such a big part of her growth as well. So read Breakthrough So Separately with me. You can get caught up. And that's it for now. I hope that this episode gives you a lot to chew on. Listen to it two times, three times, four times. Share it with a friend or two uh, and let me know what you think in social media. I'm at PCW, and make sure you hit Brandy up at I am Brandy Harvey and let her know how this episode has blessed you. All right. And that's it for me. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.